We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. One of the great Philly scribes of all time uh, covering the Phillies for, for decades. And, of course, the new season about to be embarked upon soon with, uh, believe it or not, spring training actually beginning prior to Valentine's Day. So it starts soon. High hopes to say the leaves for the Phillies in 2024. And let's welcome the great Jim Salisbury to the show. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm, gr- I'm better talking to you now, Jim. How you- so, Jim, I got to ask you, my man, how you been? I mean, I miss your work front and center, you know, every day in front of us. It was such a joy all those years to, you know, to read your stuff. And um, how are you? And what are you doing? And then we'll get into the Phillies. But how's life? Everything's good, Joe. Thank you very much. Um, it's good to hear your voice Thank as you. well, um, though I hear it often. Um, Thank you. No, just kind of uh, still searching for that next chapter in life, that second act in life. Not sure what it is, but uh, everything is good, my friend. Thank you for asking. Good. Let me ask you this, and if you don't want to deep dive, we won't, but do you want that second act to be baseball-related, or are you thinking something totally otherwise? I'm not sure. Open to open to everything, open to a lot of different um, areas. Uh, you know, I, I guess we're going to find that out. <laughs> Good for you. All right, well, listen, that's a nice spot in life to be when, when you've got, you know, you got options and you yeah. can be retired otherwise. Good for you, Jim. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. All right, Jim, let's let's get into the fills. Man, is there a lot to cover here. And, and, John, we have not done one of these. I don't mean with Jim. I mean with anybody since the season ended, basically. Been a long time. Been a long time. All right, so let's do it, Jim. Um, I'll start with a question that might be perceived as negative, but I'll just start here. Are the Atlanta Braves definitively better than the Phillies, even though the Phillies beat them in the playoffs two years in a row? From a regular season standpoint, would you say it's much more likely the Phillies are a second-place team than a first-place team? As I go in to the season, I think the, I, I, I do give the Braves an edge, but – I mean, they have an explosive lineup, but I don't think the Phillies lineup is anything to uh, to doubt. I mean, it's a heck of a lineup top to bottom as well. And, and you know, when the chips have been down, the, the Phillies have just outplayed them uh, in October the last two years. So I think the Braves are still the team to beat in the division. I mean, they won, I think, they won 140. So they won about 14 more games than the Phillies last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, as we all know, October's a different animal. Um, get in, get hot, uh, play some home games. You never know what can happen. I know it didn't end well at home, but uh, uh, I think the Braves are a better club, uh, probably top to bottom. Really curious to see what the sale acquisition looks like and, and what he has um, as he joins uh, you know, a top team like that. Strider is obviously a, a great pitcher, um, but the Phillies have proven they can play with him. I'd give the Braves uh, the edge in the division, but um, – I think you know you still gotta you still gotta play the thing out. The Phillies have a hell of a team. They have a hell of a lineup. Got a great place to start at the top of the rotation with Wheeler and Nola and, and Suarez. I guess if I had a big question, that you know what kind of drop off you're gonna see after the top three in the rotation. But I think a lot of teams have that. So, um, so many years covering the Phillies, you know, you go to Clearwater 
and it's like, okay, they're rebuilding. Okay, they really don't have a chance, but, you know, you're going to see how this thing plays out. I think it's just very exciting for their team and their fan base that, you know, they're in a, in a championship-type window here, and they have been for a few years reporting to camp um, with one goal, get to the World Series and win it. And uh, that's, that's very, very exciting for a town because um, baseball is every day. And uh, it gives you something to talk about every day, something to rehash every day. It's like a daily cereal. It's like, um, it's like you know, when they do those experiments on a bus where everybody reads the same book and all of a sudden everybody's talking the next day about something. That's what, it, that's what it's like in a community and in a town when you have a good baseball team, mm. uh, something to talk about on a daily basis. And uh, I think the Phillies have a good team. It's going to be fascinating. You know, when you have teams like this, it's like I can't wait to fast forward to October and see how it all shakes out. Yeah, that's kind sure. of how I feel about that's how I feel about this team. But I will say, wow. but Jim, I will say this though: I'm also looking forward to a fun regular season. Like, let me put it no, this no. way: the last, the last two regular seasons, not exactly the most fun. No. I mean, it was brutal in April and May, and they had to climb out of a hole. It'd be nice to see a more comfortable journey, and to see if they can be a 95-plus win team, which I think they can be, but have not been since 2011. Yeah, the last two seasons have been NASCAR races. Um, <laughs> well, they have. You know, there are a lot of ways to win a division or, or, you know, be a good team, get where you want to go in October. I mean, you can be the, the 93 Phillies or the 84 Tigers and jump out early and go box the wire. But, you know, you can also be a NASCAR race where you kind of lay back a little bit in the middle of the pack, stay out of trouble, let people wreck ahead of you, and then zoom by them. So, um, but I do agree with you. I, I think you can play with fire when, when you try to go for the whip too many times in June and July. It would be nice to build a little more cushion early. But, uh, you know, they got some veteran guys, and sometimes it takes veteran guys a little bit of time to get going. But um, a quicker start is something I've, I've read that Thompson wants, and uh, this team is certainly capable of. But uh, it's also, you know, it, it's a nice quality to have. Um, when you finish strong because it gives you a heck of a lot of momentum going into October. And this team knows how to finish. They really do. Jim, how close were the Phillies to being outbid by the Braves for Aaron Nola's services? Well, I don't know the exact numbers, um, but I, I, I don't think it was that close. I think, I think in Aaron's mind, that might've been the second, um, been the second landing spot in his mind. Rick Kranitz is there. They're very close uh, pitching coach. Sure. Of the Braves. I mean, whenever the Braves come in or the Phillies are down there, you know, the day after Nola starts, or, or uh, you, you'll see them out there in the outfield like at 2 o'clock and they'll be chatting. So you know there's a great relationship there. And Nola credits him and Bob McClure during those days for for a lot of his development, especially uh, if I remember with the changeup. But um, I think they were number two, but I don't know where their finances were. Um, Nola clearly wanted to come back to Philly, a place where he had established um, roots uh, and, you know, a, a level of greatness and pitched mm-hmm. in the last two postseasons and was comfortable and was homegrown, and that means something. And they gave him a heck of a competitive offer. I mean, seven years, um, almost $25 million AAV, uh, where do I sign? <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's right. How realistic was the chance that the Phillies could actually lure Yamamoto here? We're not on the West Coast. Is that yeah. sort of the gist of it? Yes, I think it was all about location, 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 and teammate, teammate, teammate. I think he wanted to um, play with Otani, and I, <laughs> I, mean, I think something was something was in the cards there. When you look at the way Otani's deal was structured and. 
Uh, the, you know, that almost almost feels like a package deal. I don't know if we'll ever get verification on that, but Phillies don't have a real uh, history with uh, Japanese players. Um, you know, most of them have gone to the West Coast or one of the New York clubs. Uh, but, you know, the Phillies made an offer. I think it started with a three. I, you know, I think one thing the Phillies have long done with their payroll is, uh, you know, they'll have one number in mind, but they'll have another number in mind if the right opportunity um, presents itself. And that goes back to Jim Tomey. They had one number in mind and another number in mind if we can get Jim Tomey. Uh, I think they had one number in mind for this offseason, but another number in mind if they could get Yamamoto. So they did make an offer, um, and I think it was very significant. But um, uh, in the end, uh, it just seems like this guy was going to go um, and, and be a Dodger. They're just an international team, an international brand, and it'll be fascinating to see uh, you know, how, they, how they play this year. Jim Salisbury with us here. Jim, one of the spicier situations, there's not much spicy with the Phils right now, but one of the more intriguing things is the Wheeler contract. Yeah. This is the last year of the deal. He has delivered, I mean, in a way that few free agents that ever came to Philadelphia have delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of numbers do you think he could be looking at? And obviously the Phils will be motivated to try to sign him before he becomes a free agent. What do you know about Wheeler on a personal level of whether he'd be motivated to get to free agency, or do you think that he would be amenable to signing before free agency, and what would that take? Well, knowing him a little bit, I you know, and, and I, I don't, I haven't talked to him about this. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but he's he's a very steady guy, personality wise, um, kind of you know, rock solid, steady. He reminds you a little bit of Roy Halladay. Maybe a little more personality, but in terms of work ethic and that laser focus, he reminds you of of Halliday. I, I I just think uh, you know he's going to want to be paid what he's worth. I think he likes it here. I think he likes that he can get on an airplane and be home to Atlanta in an hour and a half. Um, you know his wife is uh, they have a growing family and and she's from has roots in New Jersey, and he's had success here. I mean, there are some measurements, some metrics that say he's been the best starting pitcher in baseball since 2020. Um, some of the uh, some of the war measurements. Either way, he's been a top three or four. Yeah. Um, they need to retain him. I think there's a appetite on the Phillies side to get something done before the season, and he seems to me to have that personality that he's probably not. He's made a lot of money. I don't think he's going to look be looking to, to wring every last dollar out of free agency. So, I think he would be agreeable if the money is right now. It's tricky because he's going to pitch at 34 this year and pitch at 35 the first year of the new deal. So um, I don't know. I, I would think it's got to be a four-year deal. It's got to be more than NOLA at, you know, NOLA's at 24 and change. It's got to be about, I would think it's, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not real good at this stuff, but I would think it's got to be about 25 per um, at at least four. You might have to go five to get him off the market. Um, but because of his age, you think he does not touch Nola's total of 170 million because he's older. Yeah, I mean they spread out Nola. Yeah, he's I think he's what three three or four years older than Nola. So that's a yeah that's definitely a, a mitigating factor there. I mean you look at Sonny Gray, he's about Wheeler's age. I think he what got three uh, at 25 per. And you know I, I think Wheeler's obviously better than that. I, I could see them adding uh, to the term there and, and having to go above that. I mean, you look at DeGrom, he got, I think he got 
35 or 36 or 37 from the Rangers, which, uh, and, you know, he's a little bit older than Wheeler, I believe. So it's, I would say it's probably going to be above 25, maybe approaching 30, and it might uh, have to be four years um, if you're really serious about getting him off the market. Now, there's, there's risks on both sides. You go into the season, you don't get him down. He has a great year. Boom, he uses that to, as a launching pad. Uh, but if he if he doesn't have a great year, then he, he might kick himself. So uh, it's, there's a lot of calculus there that has to be weighed by both sides. But I do think there's an appetite to get something done, and it wouldn't surprise me if they get something done before his opening day start. And I think he deserves the opening day start. But um, but we'll see. Um, I, I do know they, they need him uh, because this window is, is open. It's going to be open for a few years. Um, but, it's you know, the age makes it a tough call. He's been – pretty healthy the last since he's come here i mean in fact the mets you know you look at the money they've spent on pitching they made a huge mistake having no interest in retra- retaining him because basically because of his health history i mean their previous administration came out and said it was his health history well his elbow barked a little bit 22 but um i think he's been really healthy and he's answered the bell and he's been a great pitcher for the phillies and a great signing by uh uh, Matt Klintak and, and his guys. He's been a great Philly. I think he likes being a Philly. And I, I personally would be very surprised if they don't figure out a way to extend this relationship um, and, and, you know, see what happens. I mean, there's going to be a risk getting older. Yeah. You, never yeah. know when you, you never know when you're going to throw your last bullet. But uh, that's the way the game is played. You've you, you got to have pitching and um, pitching rules, and you got to lock this guy up. Who should lead off for the Phillies? Well, I think we'll be talking about that when that's one of those things that, like Joe said, it's fun to talk about all season. We'll probably be talking about that all season, right? We, we were talking about it right into October. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways. I mean, Thompson has been for years um, expressing his kind of fascination with the idea of Stott being a leadoff man someday, the way he grinds the bats, his, his selectivity, his knowledge of the strike zone. I mean, I think Stott and Turner could be – pretty darn good up the top um, and, and maybe get some of Schwarber's thump in the middle behind some on-base percentage, you're probably looking at something pretty good. Um, but, I mean, who knows what it's going to look like in June. I mean, come on, we all know we're going to get to June and Schwarber's going to go off. and then have a, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, little... Jim. I, Jim, I brought this up earlier this week. Let's say they settle on Schwarber is the optimal leadoff hitter, even though it's unconventional. But they know his history of not hitting well in April and May. Would you not bat him lead off, even if that's the intention yeah, in the first well, two months, just because why let him get the most plate appearances? It, it's a great thought, and it gives you a trial run with, with something else up there. Maybe it's the trial run they're looking for with Stott and Turner up top. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of that in spring training. Uh, it, it's really a fascinating topic. One of the biggest, the biggest job a manager has is, to me, not pulling strings. It's dealing with personalities and knowing personalities and what makes your guys tick and Schwarber loves hitting leadoff mm-hmm. he loves getting up there and and and, and hitting the lightning bolt somewhere early in the game and, and and quieting down a crowd or electrifying a crowd and it's where he's comfortable it's where he feels like he thrives it's where he feels like he's in a good mental frame of mind it's up to a manager to realize that and and say I might get the most out of my guy in this position but it's also up up to him to try other things i mean their record is phenomenal. we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Phenomenal was Schwarber there. It's, it's, as, you, as you said, it's, it's, it's unconventional, uh, and people are going to squawk about it, but all that matters is wins and losses, and it's like, to me, it's like making making a barbecue sauce. I mean, everybody makes it a little bit different. Everybody has a different. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Everybody has a different ingredient, but in the end, does it taste good? It can have a strange ingredient. You can cook it a little different. It can be a cold product. It can be a hot product. Does it taste good? And in the end, if if this lineup, however they do it, if if it wins ball games and it tastes good, then you ride it and you don't worry about it if it's unconventional. But. Um, I think there's a couple ways like he could go that way because the, the results have been so good with Schwarber at the top, and that allows you to put some contact in the middle, which is kind of attractive. It, it reduces some of your swing and, and miss in the middle um, because you can get stopped down there um, on occasion. So that's not a bad quality to have. Um, but I think it'll play out in spring training. They'll experiment with it, and I think we'll be talking about it all year long. All year long. And as long as the barbecue sauce tastes good, you go with it. <laughs> Johan Rojas looked so overmatched at the plate in the postseason last year. How quickly can he be brought up to speed offensively, and how much can he improve at the plate? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ability there. I mean, he's. I think he got here offensively, got here before his time. Defensively, he clearly was ready. He was a real difference maker out there. Um, but he looked completely overmatched in, in the postseason. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I come from an, you know, kind of an old-school background where a guy like Johan Rojas, especially being a young Latin player, would have played, would have played winter ball and, for a month and maybe gotten 120 at-bats, 100 at-bats, 80 at-bats, I don't know, uh, mm-hmm. seen pitches, see pitches every day from some older guys who really maybe don't have the stuff that you see here but really know how to pitch change speed, locate. I think that would have helped him a lot uh, in terms of pitch wrecking. Not everything in hitting is the swing. We spend so much time these days teaching, talking about the swing, the swing, the swing. Well, there's a lot of it to me that's pitch recognition and repetition, being in the batter's box over and over and over, um, learning what you can do with certain pitches. I think a month of winter ball would have helped them. Mm -hmm. Um, Teams kind of shy away from that. They're big into recovery time now. But, uh, and, you know, he, it's not like he hasn't been working. He's been at their academy working with some of their hitting instructors. So we'll see what the improvement looks like. I mean, to me, he's kind of a – I do see the aptitude there. I, I do see the way he's improved since he's been in pro ball has been, um, been, been very good. So I, I do think uh, he has the ability to improve. But, you know, time is going to tell. Um, you know, I think you can throw yeah. him out there and be your everyday defensive center field. But I, I don't know that he's even going to be – you know, I wouldn't rule out him spending some time in AAA and needing some time in AAA. I, I agree with you. This is a deep dive with Jim Salisbury here on WIP. And by the way, Seltzer, is this great? I mean, not only Phillies baseball, but Phil's baseball with Salisbury. I again. have like a huge smile on my face. This whole <laughs> It's just so good to hear Jim on with us. All right, Jim, let's, let's get to the closer spot. Who's the closer? Well, who was the closer the last few years? I'm still waiting for Rob Thompson to uh, anoint one. <laughs> but he doesn't like to do that, nor did Joe before him, um, which is ironic because they were Yankees and they had the greatest ever. But, right. um, 
you know, I mean, last year, obviously, Kimbrell was the closer. Um, but he had a good first half, um, really good first half. It's one of the reasons, I mean, that bullpen really helped keep him afloat. I mean, he was an all-star. I mean, I, I will say, I, so I'll just tackle this quickly, Jim. I had less anti-Kimbrell in the postseason than a lot of people did reaction-wise. He never should have been in game four, but that was Rob Thompson's fault for putting him in. Yeah. I mean, Kimbrell gave baseball what he could for over a decade. He made nine all-star games, including one for the Phillies. His arm was done, and the manager should have seen it. Yeah, and we've seen that before. Oh, um, uh, you think? We've seen that before. So you think it's you think it's by committee here, Jim? You think it's mix and match and figure it out yeah. as you go, basically? Well, I think I think push comes to shove, a lot of those opportunities are going to end up in in Alvarado's hands. Uh, that said, somebody gets the hot hand. Strom gets the hot hand. Gregory Soto gets the hot hand. Well, what um, about Kirkring? How much better is he going to be this year when everything he throws isn't just the frisbee that we saw last year? Yeah, well, if the frisbee's down, it's really tough. But we saw against Arizona, it was up. It wasn't so tough. Um, you know, I, 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 I put, you know, this might be unpopular, but to me, Kirkring is, is a little bit like Rojas, very unproven. I don't rule out that he needs more time. I also don't rule out he could be a stud as soon as this year. We'll see. Um, you know, we shall see. Obviously, the ingredients are really good. I don't know that he's re- ready to close on an everyday basis, but there's been surprises before. I'm sure at some point yeah. he's going to get an opportunity. And if you seize it and you run with it, um, you know, then, then, then you got something. I mean, bullpen, yeah. you know, the construction of a bullpen or even a team doesn't stop really until the trade deadline. Just because uh, opening day is here or first day of spring training is here doesn't mean, you know, you look at the uh, Diamondbacks, they're one two punch at the back of the bullpen last year. Ginkle kind of started the season, I think. I mean, he got some chances late in games, but I, I think they were envisioning him more as maybe a sixth and seventh inning guy, and all of a sudden he became a dominant eighth inning guy, and then they acquired the closer at the trade deadline. So, you know, yeah. Bullpens can change. I remember the 08 bullpen, Ryan Madsen. All of a sudden, something went off uh, in 08 in August, mid-August. He became an assassin. And he changed. He, he took a good, really good bullpen and made a dynamic bullpen. So the, the key to that bullpen might be here. It might be in a mid, mid-season acquisition. Uh, the closer might come later on. I don't know. There will be guys out there, and Dombrowski will be looking to, to wheel and deal. I think he's keeping some of his powder dry probably for the, for the trade deadline. Uh, this off season because they haven't done other than you know retaining Nola on a, on a big item and they got Wheeler to do, um, but you know I, I still think you got power down there and you got the potential to to be pretty good. I think you you do need more inventory. Uh, I think they could probably use another outfielder, right-handed hitter, um, because you don't know how that whole Rojas, Pache, Marsh, Triumvirate's going to play out. Might be nice to add another candidate out there. We'll see. So. I don't think their construction is done. I'm not expecting a big ticket, but we'll see. Jim, one last thing here. You know, we started on the NL East. Let's have one more on the NL East. So this time last year, Phillies, Mets, Braves, in whatever order. Um, are the Braves off the radar with everything that's happened to them in the last 12 months? Is this just a Phillies-Braves division and the Mets? I mean, do the Mets not even make the playoffs again? Well, their lineup is not that bad. I, I, I'd be concerned about their pitching. Um, and... If they play well midseason, I think, you know, their owner will sniff it and they'll try to do something, uh, depending on what's out there in the trade market. But, I mean, their lineup is, is not bad. I, I would not rule them out by any means, especially with, you know, uh, six teams making the, the postseason in, in each league. Um, but I, I do think it's probably a two-team race for the division with the Braves on top. But, 
I still think the Mets, I know the Mets don't have a lot of pitching. I know they haven't done a lot. I know they it feels like they've they've shifted gears, um, but I still like some of their hitters. I still like their lineup. Not the answer I was looking for, Jim. You disappoint me in the end. I think I still think they'll be, think they'll, be they'll be interesting. I I I I'm not going to write anybody fair off. Fair enough. This. Fair enough. No, they do got guys. There's no doubt. Hey, Jim. Um, wonderful talking to you, and we look forward to talking to you through the baseball season. And uh, just great hearing your voice, my man. Thanks for the expertise, and uh, and who you are. Thank you, Jim. Oh, thank you guys. Great chatting with you. And uh, we'll be in touch. Bye-bye. You got it. Thanks, Jim. The great Jim Salisbury. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.